Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Good evening and welcome to Fishhawk Live and the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. We're going to be talking co-host tonight and our guest is Captain Pete Alex. Captain Pete, how are you doing tonight? Very good, Chris. Thank you. Good to have you on. Uh, Captain Pete Alex owns a Vision Quest Sport Fishing out of Erie, Pennsylvania, and he operates uh, boats on Lake Erie and also on Lake Ontario. And uh, out of those two, I mean, you've got two great pieces of water you're fishing, Pete, and today we're talking about cohos. Uh, tell me about which lake that you're, you're hitting these cohos. Be primarily Lake Ontario, Chris. Okay, Lake Ontario. I've, I've seen your Instagram with a few Erie fish, but uh, that's that sounds like kind of a just a coincidental type of catch up there on Lake Erie. Yep, I, I would call them incidentals. Uh, last year we had a really a real small pot of salmon out uh, on our offshore waters, and uh, we tapped into that a little bit, running some some of the same equipment or gear lures that we would run on Lake Ontario. So we were able to catch. Uh, I think we caught about 13 or 14 cohos last year on Erie and about three or four trips offshore. Awesome. Good evening, Larry Dyshaw. Thanks again for coming on. Larry's a, a regular to the show. And if you guys have any questions tonight for Captain Pete Alex, go ahead and put them in the comments. doesn't matter if you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube. We will see them, and, and we'll try to get those to Captain Pete as we go. Um, so Lake Ontario is the fishery that you're hitting for, for the coho salmon. Um, Lake Ontario is super well known as really an incredible uh, king salmon fishery. So why even, I guess the question is, why even bother with coho salmon when you've got that, that awesome king salmon population on that lake? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, it, it's great king fishing a lot of times, but not all the time, especially earlier in the season when the kings haven't showed up in good numbers yet. The cohos are typically there, so we will target uh, more cohos and less kings. And then at some point in the year when they start to thin out and head uh, down east or across the lake over towards Toronto or uh, as they work their way eastward, we're left with fewer kings. But sometimes we have cohos, too. So uh, we'll start running a joint program or a dual program trying to target both those species, really to, to fill our box and to, to have fish to catch for our customers or in a tournament. What's the best time of year? First of all, what port are you fishing out of on Lake Ontario? Wilson, which is uh, at the west end of Lake Ontario. Okay. Out of Wilson, what's what's kind of the time of year that the cohos are in and what, when are you targeting them? They'll be uh, there from some, at some point in April, usually towards the end of April. That's when we uh, I'll put the boat in the water and start fishing. So uh, prior to that, they seem to be offshore at some point they you know that they're triggered to come in and we'll have uh cohos on the west side of the niagara river uh at the west end of lake ontario where they're kind of captured with the warmer warming water over there and then uh, towards the end of april they'll, they'll start to migrate or, or come in from the offshore and uh, they'll start to show up in our waters which is typically sometime in april and then they, they'll eventually hang out and they'll be in, they'll be out, they'll be in the middle water. And then, then eventually they start to migrate uh, norther, uh, northerly and eastwardly. All right. Yeah, that's something that I was kind of wondering. What are you looking for in the water when you're going to go out and try to target cohos? 
uh, what exactly, what kind of conditions are you looking for as far as depth, temperature, those types of things? Well, the cohos, uh, which makes them a little challenging or exciting, is the fact that you know you'll find them in 50 foot or 30 foot of water, and you'll find them out in 300 foot uh, in the gin clear black death water. So they're really nomadic at that point. Um, so we cover a lot of water. Typically, if you find a couple, you're going to find uh, a lot more. But you'll find them uh, in the green fertile water. You'll catch these fish out in the what I call the death water, the black ice water, which you know, you're, you're shaking your head wondering why they're out in, you know, 40 degree surface water when, you know, half a mile in, uh, they can find 45 or 46 fertile looking water, but uh, they're coho. So that, that's what they do. And uh, so really, we cover a lot of water. We'll fish in the upper, upper end of the water column to find these fish. But the key is if you find a few is just to work that spot until it dries up. All right. Uh, Larry watches all the time, wants to know, uh, when you're out there, are you, are you actually fishing the Niagara Bar? Are you fishing around it? Uh, tell me a little bit about that. So out of Wilson, uh, typically we're not going to go too far from the port. Uh, Wilson's about 11 or to 12 miles uh, east of the Niagara Bar. Um, so we won't typically run all the way down to the bar when we're starting to look for cohos. We're going to be in that Wilson area, and then we're going to work our way westward or actually northwesterly. Um, but at some point, the cohos do light up at the bar, and it's pretty good fishing there. But typically, when we when we leave the pier heads to fish cohos, we're not uh, very far from the port. Very cool. Uh, tell us about kind of the tactics that you're using to target them. Tell, you talked about uh, typically not not going very far down in the water column. Uh, what are you using? What does your spread look like when you're targeting coho? Well, typically we're going to run what we call a super spread. Uh, we're going to have lines from the surface down to what we feel is uh, the ice water, which might be 39 degrees, especially in the spring. So we're gonna put a pretty big spread out, but probably 75% of our baits are gonna be in the top, that top 30 foot of water. We're gonna be running planter boards, uh, primarily inline boards with uh, surface lines, which could be just monofilament rods with stick baits, you know, back 80 to 100 feet. We might be running uh, spoons with on what we call SSRs or split shot rigs off inline boards with, you know, orange back or small, smaller spoons or plugs uh, fishing again, the top six feet. And we might be fishing with, with a variety of what we call short cores, two cores, three cores, five cores off those boards. So that would be the, the, the spread off uh, the sides of the boards. We'll run uh, monofilament run dipsy divers. We'll keep those from 20, five to you know 60 feet out uh, we'll run usually three riggers um, we'll park a couple deeper and we'll park a couple near the top and then we'll run a, a higher run a higher running shoot rod which could be a five core or three core right down the middle again with a, a high vis you know coho type uh, lure or attractor very cool uh, tell us a little bit about what you got on the business end of those rods so what are you running uh, on, on your board rods and what are you running down deep well if we're if we're running uh spoons off our uh, short cores or our high you know high riggers with sliders we're going to run a lot of super slims um in these colors here this is a this is called a rambler in the super slim with the sil silverback we're going to run uh you know a lot of steelhead type colors it's mixed veggies and a super slim this is a double lemon ice like a chartreuse really good coho spoon your typical oranges. Uh, this is an orange UV, super slim. 
And then you, you'll we'll run some salmon type spoons, especially in the morning. Like this is a green gator and we've got a moon cricket. Uh, those will take fish in the morning and then we'll start to fizzle. So we'll, we'll run a, a variety of steelhead type coho spoons. And then we like to run, uh, this is a white back frog. This is usually a very good morning spoon for cohos. And we'll run these, what we call them, hot back spoons, these bright orange backed spoons. Again, we're running these off of shot rigs off the surface, uh, short mono divers off the sides, uh, riggers with sliders, and our two and three cores. And then uh, at some point, we're going to be fishing a lot of attractors, these little spin doctors from Dreamweaver. These are six inches. So we'll start to deploy these. Uh, again, we're going to run these divers, maybe our out and downs. Uh, three cores or five cores up in the top 25 feet of water. So we like to run these. And occasionally we'll run like a, the Michigan favorites, these six inch uh, high vis orange dodgers with the peanut flies. The only one reason we don't pull a lot of these in Lake Ontario is like we like to cover water quicker. These will have a tendency to spin. You kind of, if you're going to run uh, these dodgers, you kind of have to slow your trolling speed down a little bit to fish these effectively. That's where the spin doctors uh, come into play. We're able to troll a little faster to complement our spoon program at the same time. Yeah, the Dodger peanut fly thing is uh, well known in the, that Racine, Kenosha, Wisconsin area on that Lake Michigan deal. If you talk to those guys, that's pretty much what you see on those boats all the time. Uh, we got a question coming in from Bill Davis, and this was actually one that I had on my sheet as well. Our coho boat shy. Hi, Bill. Negatory. Uh, what makes coho fun is the fact that they're fearless. Uh, they're not boat shy. They're not line shy necessarily. Um, you know, they they fly into your prop wash. They go fly into short run divers. They're pretty fearless, so they're not really boat shy. They seem to be boat shy in a tournament, though, but not necessarily day in and day out. Good question. All right, and uh, kind of one of the things that that make this show fun is. Uh, the captains uh, all on the lake like to give each other the business during the show. And uh, we've got one here from a guy named Casey Prisco. He wants to know if you've ever had a custom spin doctor made and couldn't catch fish on it. Uh, and then he adds only to find out other captains used it and crushed the cohos and Kings on it. Well, that was a mouthful, Chris. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say what works for some captains does not work for other captains. We'll leave it at that. I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, I, I do. <laughs> and, uh, again, it, it is a tradition. So you're welcome to put some payback on Mr. Prisco later this year. Well, I'll, can I pay him back now? Yeah, go ahead. You know, one, one of the, the traits of coho, uh, really are the fact that they're, they're spastic. They're like a type a personality fish. You know, they're just, they're all over the place. So they're, they're up, they're down. You'll find them on the surface, you'll find them 100 feet down. You'll find them crashing bait, back into the boat, all kinds of things. So that's a type A personality fish. And uh, I would call Casey Prisco a coho, okay, if you know what I mean. He's a coho personality, that guy. <laughs> all right. Steve Morris has got a question. This is coming in from YouTube. He'd like to know if you use scent when you're out fishing for cohos. Uh, we will. Uh, we don't use scent all the time. If the fishing's tougher or we're in tournaments, uh, we will have a tendency to scent baits. 
but I feel cohort one of those fish that uh, you know they come crashing in hot and heavy like steelhead. I don't know if its scent is effective on coho as it is lake trout or kings per se, but uh, at times we will definitely add scent. Uh, we use Atlas Mike's scents uh, uh, all the time. So yes. All right, we've got uh, Larry once again, and and he says uh, just like a steelhead spread. So how would this differ from a steelhead spread? I know what you're talking about. Well, steelhead spreads are going to be similar. Um, you know, you're going to run a lot of, like I said, traditionally higher stuff, a little bit hotter colors, a little more attractive colors, which again are similar to steelhead. But they uh, coho have, have a tendency not to hit exactly what steelhead. Hit. You know, they have their own little niche. Like, you know, I'm going to soon give you an example. These these two spin doctors. This one here, I believe, is a Rich Hijacky special. Um, I I don't catch as many fish on this as Rich does. You know, I catch a lot of fish on this, but to relate back to the question, uh, you fish these two spin doctors day in and day out in coho or excuse me, in steelhead water. When you know steelhead around, you're you're not going to catch very, very many steelhead on these two baits um, as an example. But you'll catch coho on them. So, you know, I guess to answer the question is you're, you're not going to necessarily catch the fish on the same baits, even though some of them are similar. All right, he's got a follow-up here. Uh, I know you talked about the peanut flies. He's kind kind of wants to know uh, peanut flies or standard flies and, and why. Why I think coho uh, coho are a smaller fish in general, especially in the spring. They're, you know, they're they're from 15 to 22 inches in the spring, depending on the type of year they had. If they were able to eat a lot, um, how the spring was for them. So they're a smaller fish. They like smaller things. They eat a lot of bugs. They'll eat stuff off the surface. They like emerald shiners, which are small, especially in the spring. So generally they're geared towards a smaller bait. Not always, but probably day in, day out, the smaller, the better for cohos. All right. Mike says uh, he loves it when the coho chaos is happening. And I think everybody does. Uh, I think that's probably one of the things, and you talked about a little bit uh, a little bit ago, is that they are uh, they're a fish that that uh, has a a voracious personality. They like to eat and they like to go after it. And when the cohos are going, they're going, and, and it can be a fun day in the water. Tell us about what it would be like with you if we're out on the water and we're chasing uh, cohos. What is it? What is a great day on the water look like? Well, if you if you chartered my boat, Chris, and said I don't want to catch kings or lakers, let's just go out and catch cohos. I'm going to get excited because uh, you know not not a lot of people like to fish for them necessarily, especially when there's kings around. So to me, they're they're a little bit of a niche fish, uh, a, a niche fish once in a while uh, for people because not everybody's geared to want to go catch them. So they're you know that's big, big kings, sizzling runs. That's great, but. Uh, when it's all all out coho mode, I guess it's it's just exciting. It's a different presentation. Sometimes it's a little bit of a challenge because you're fishing for a fish that's nomadic, hard to find, hard to dial into. Uh, but they're a blast when you catch them. I mean, you can troll two hours, not get a bite, and just keep you know trolling north to the promised land, and you know you'll catch six in you know two minutes, and you'll get a trip diver, you know, and they'll hit, they'll smack a diver on the surface. Uh, you'll be, you know, netting another fish, slowing the boat down, and they'll whack something else. They're just spastic. They'll charge the boat. They'll get into your cables. People will have a tough time handling them, especially the big ones. So it's a it's a more exciting fish. You know, kings, they hit hard. They make straight line runs most of the time, which is great. But 
cobras are just a different animal. They jump, they, they do crazy things. They charge a boat, they do circles, they spin, and then they hit a lot, a lot of different baits close to the boat. Interesting fish to catch. You talked a little bit earlier about speed. What is your favorite speed when you're out chasing cobras? I'm going to say that two, 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 five range, uh, especially if we're running, uh, some Dodgers or the small spin doctors. We're going to keep it toned down a little. If we have primarily a spoon program out and we're covering water, we might tune it up to three miles per hour. All right. Our friend Mark Penner from Grimsby Tackle over in Ontario says, wants to know if you're filming this in the cutty of the Tierra right now. <laughs> Negatory. Uh, my cozy office. <laughs> All right. He's in the I'm cozy office. Hard- Cozy office. Tell us a little bit, as long as we're talking about that, uh, tell us a little bit about your fleet and the boats that you run and kind of where you, I know you have uh, two on Erie and one on Ontario. Tell us a little bit about those boats. Right. I have uh, I have a 2700 Tierra, which we just repowered a couple years ago. Uh, great boat. I call it the best big little boat there is made. Um, love that boat. It's mobile. I'll fish that boat early in the spring and then late in the fall when you know the Marines close. So that's my uh, early and late season boat. And then a couple of times I've had motor issues uh, with my 36 Tierra. So I've had to deploy that to run my trips. Um, that's been a great boat for me. Um, love it. I have a 31 Tierra that I keep on Lake Ontario. That's year round. Uh, another great boat. Um, knock on wood, that boat's been great since the time I've owned it. Quiet, sweet running, um, great boat. And then I have the big girl, which is the 36 Tierra diesels. It's given me some issues over the years with the motors, cost me some jing fixing those motors, but a great uh, fishing platform, big water boat. And there's a lot of days I'm on the water and uh, guys are tied up, you know, dockside because the water's too big and we're out there killing fish. What's something about running a charter operation that most people don't know about that you kind of get exposed to when you run an operation like that? Uh, repeat the question, Chris. What's something about running a charter operation that a lot of people don't understand and don't know is part of the business that, that you you get to find out real quick when you're doing what you're doing? Well, it's it's uh, a bit of a nonprofit operation to some extent. Um, you know, there's not a lot of money into it. It sounds good. Like when you, when you say we're charging 900 or 800 bucks a day and guys do the quick math, but you know, there's a lot of expenses involved with that. So that's one thing a lot of guys get into it and find out that it's not as good as they anticipated. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of long days, especially if the fishing's tough, you're going to put in some, you know, extended days, maybe, you know, all days fishing, uh, fish for your customers. There's a lot of long days. Um, it's tiring. If you run doubles, it's uh, it's Superman type, uh, you know, super. You got to be Superman to run a lot of doubles like my buddy Casey Prisco, Andy Bliss. Those guys run doubles. I hate running doubles. It's just it's tough on the body. And you'll find out you don't have much of a, a evening or, or a nightlife as a charter boat captain. Yeah, you get to spend a lot of time on the boat. Um, what are some things that you do? OK, let's go back to the coho thing. <laughs> And what are some things that you're going to be doing if you're going out and, and things aren't going the way that you want them to? Uh, the bite isn't what you had hoped to, or hoped or expected. What are some some kind of transition or or some things that you some adjustments that you're doing to try to get some bites and try to get some fish for your customers? Well, we're, we're going to probably start deploying a few more rods. Um, 
you know, if if really we cannot find cohos and the kings are scarce, we're probably going to go into lake trout mode, um, especially at, at the uh, west end of Lake Ontario in the spring to catch fish. But we'll still keep some rods out for silverfish. But we're going to start targeting more in different species if you know we're basically throwing in a towel for cohos. All right, uh, getting some from YouTube, and this one here is going to take us back to Lake Erie. I know uh, Lake Erie isn't the the coho hotspot, but uh, for those folks who do fish on Lake Erie, uh, Jessica R would like to know uh, what are some you know does the technique change if you're out on Lake Erie and you're going after some cohos, or, or how would you go about doing that if you're maybe just trying to run a couple rods for cohos while you're out trolling for walleyes? That's a really good question. Uh, I would definitely target, you know, 45 to 54 degree water with some of my offerings. Um, I'm assuming we're talking summer or uh, late summer type type conditions. So we're going to run some Lake Ontario type colored spoons that coho like not too big. You know, again, that super slim to DW size to kind of match the bait that's out there. There's a lot of smelt in Lake Erie. Uh, especially out in the middle of the lake towards Canada off Long Point. Uh, a lot of smelt, so that's where super slims really come into play. And I would be running a lot of the salmon-type uh, spoons down deep in that cooler water if it's that late summer bite. And that's exactly what we did uh, this year in August to, uh, you know, boat 13 or 14 uh, salmon this year. All right, Jessica, what it would like to add as well, uh, you know, the same lures that you kind of went through on Lake Ontario, would you be using that same program on Lake Erie? Well, you know, what, what's kind of a mystery is, uh, you know, I mentioned these spin doctors, which, um, you know, they really, I always say, you know, put these out and they will come on Lake Ontario. We've tried to force feed, you know, salmon or, or still had these spin doctors on, on Lake Erie, whether it was a six inch or an eight inch doctor. And they just don't receive them very well. So uh, what they really like, like I would run an orange Dodger and a uh, blue or green fly on Lake Erie uh, for cohos. If, if you're maintaining that 2.0 to 2.2, speed, I would dump some red, red, red Dodgers or orange Dodgers down there, eight inches uh, with 20 inch to 22 inch leads, green and blue flies for, uh, you're good a good chance at a coho or even a king on lake lake uh, erie and then again a handful of these spoons that i showed you uh, earlier and in some of my videos they will work just as well on lake erie all right again if you have any questions for captain pete alex go ahead and get them in the comments and we will get them to uh pete and rick uh Late to the show, only targeting cohos in Lake Erie, or do you fish for walleyes? Rick, most of the time he's fishing walleyes, and, and the cohos are kind of a, a bycatch there. Um, Pete, tell us a little bit about, you know, one of the things that I've learned just from talking to people like yourself and other captains that are really, really good at what they do uh, is they've always got, like, some little kind of, seems like a, a rabbit up their hat, some little thing that they do that the average angler doesn't do. Uh, and you do some instructional charters as well, where you go out with people and kind of help them uh, figure out what their program should be. What are some things that you see that are kind of holes in people's games? What are some things that they can do uh, to become a better angler? Well, I think a lot of people don't pay attention to the little things. Um, uh, leader, line, type, 
uh, fluorocarbon lines, uh, size of swivels are, are some basic things I see people, they just totally whiff on. Um, diver leader length is, is a big one I see people whiff on. You know, they're, they're running seven or eight foot diver leaders. You know, mine are, I call it two lengths, which is about 12 feet. You know, I like 12 foot. Yep, it's a little hard netting fish, but I think day in and day out, leaders that are right around that 12 foot work very well in Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. Uh, but I see a common problem with new anglers is, you know, they've got baby leaders, um, highly ineffective for the most part, you know, except in kamikaze bites where, you know, fish are dumb and they eat everything. Uh, those are some common things. I, I, there are people who chase walleyes all the time in Lake Erie. They never check to see if their crankbaits are tuned up. Little things, uh, you know, pull them alongside the boat, make sure they're tuned up. Uh, even stick baits, make sure they're tuned up. So a lot of people fish on a the blind. They're they're fishing baits that aren't really running right in the water. So those are a couple couple things that I see uh, when I do take people out on instructional instructional seminars. Um, they're pretty amazed at the efficiency on the boat. We, we're kind of a machine. You know, we we don't have a lot of dead time in the water. We're constantly deploying, replowing rods in and out uh, to make use of that time uh, because you know two rods out of the water or two rods you're not going to catch a fish on you know sometimes i harp on my mate you know we'll catch a walleye or two and he's got the the plug stuck on the guide sitting in a rod holder and you know kind of moseying around and i told him i've never seen a fish jump out of the water and grab a lure that's attached to a rod in the rod holder so uh, he gets the point then but you know so there's some things about efficiency and time and deploying and and improving your game. You know, my game, I'm always looking to improve my game, my efficiency as an angler. Um, I have not hit the peak and, and, or the plateau of saying I'm too good or I'll never learn or I'm done learning. Uh, never, ever. So, uh, and that's, you know, anglers who want to get better really need to put time in the water. They need to attend seminars, videos, uh, listen to podcasts that you do and pick up on a lot of these little key things that will help them Put more fish in the boat one of the things you brought up there and i appreciate you going into some detail there uh, one of the things you brought up there was was swivels tell us about that um what should they be looking for as far as swivel i think that's a a piece of, of equipment that a lot of people don't think of obviously it's something that you see as a whole uh what are, what are some things they should be focusing on there well like swivels you know if uh you know if i'm, I'm running a, a magnum size spoon maybe i can get away with a little bit bigger swivel because it's going to get hidden in the spoon and in the action but a lot of guys will run big swivels with little spoons like you know like these are super slims they're small baits and i run a lot of smaller spoons in this you know i'm not going to put a number three or number four size swivel on this it looks gaudy it's going to affect the action so i'm going to downsize my swivels you know we'll we'll cut them off um, if i'm running flashers on a rod with a bigger swivel uh, we're going to cut those swivels off uh, and you know, make the effort and downsize the swivels to like a number two, which is perfect for a super slim. We run uh, little WD spoons that Dreamweaver makes for walleyes or for uh, offshore steel, excuse me, spring steelhead up on the surface. You know, we're going to run a number one swivel, for example. We're going we're gonna to take the time and, and downsize our swivels. You know, that might make the difference between one, two or three more fish at the end of the day or uh, help you win a tournament. 
Very cool. I'll get some more questions coming in here. Uh, this one's another Lake Erie one. Uh, Larry wants to know if they've stocked Lake Erie with silverfish, or are they just sneaking in from other lakes? No, the uh, I, I caught two Atlantics this year. Excuse me, last year, which were the first two Atlantics I've ever seen or caught, you know, or ever heard of caught from a boat. Uh, those were fin clip, adipose clip. Those came from Lake Huron. Uh, the cohos, the occasional king, and now, you know, the occasional Atlantic, we believe most of them are coming from Lake Huron, working their way into the system. Um, we've heard of some minor natural reproduction on the north shore of Lake Erie, where they've had, they have the right environment for some natural uh, production. But to, for the most part, uh, no one stocks kings, Atlantics, or cohos in the Erie system you know, anymore and haven't since uh, 2003, I believe. All right. How about, uh, we got another question from Jessica here. Jessica wants to know if you prefer a flat lake or some chop when you're chasing steelhead and coho. One to two foot all day. We hate, I don't like flat water except for the run out and the run in. Uh, but a one to two foot chop is, is heaven on the water. You know, it's a nice breeze. It breaks up the surface. I think it helps to bite. Um, those dead, flat, calm days uh, definitely could be tough, especially uh, when the sun's up, regardless of the species that you are trying to catch. So we love a one to two foot chop. Awesome. Jessica also wants to know, we did talk about scents. You said sometimes you use them, um, but what scent do you use and how often do you apply? Well, we're going to put, uh, what I do is I'll use Mike's Atlas scent and I'll use, I'll use herring, I'll use emerald shiner, um, Typically, and shrimp. Uh, we like to use a lot of shrimp scent for steelhead if they're steelhead in the area. But we'll put a little dab right in this inside cup here. We'll just smear a dab on there. Um, it's easy to clean off at the end of the day, and it seems to hold it just a little bit better. Um, but that's where we'll put it. We won't smother the whole spoon, you know, like a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Uh, we're just going to put some right there, and we're going to pay attention when we pull that bait out of the water to change it or if we've caught a fish. If we still can see some red residual scent on there we're going to leave it uh, if it looks like it's pretty much washed clean we're going to reload it with some scent all right uh, here's our friend eric modney he has a question he's a toronto area angler and he says uh, how can i use my fish hawk to pinpoint and chase coho salmon once i'm on a school i find that i get into cohos but struggle staying on the school uh good question Cohos have a tendency to swim quite a bit. Uh, they're a little bit nomadic, so it might not be your program. It just might be the fish you're pursuing. Um, they really like water that's a little bit warmer than kings in general. They're in that mid-50s to upper 40s. Not that they can't be caught in ice water or warmer water, but typically they're, they're in between kings and steelhead as far as preferred temperature. So one thing to do is... is Concentrate your baits in that 55 to say 49, 50 degree water for cohos, and it might help you dial them in a little bit better. And then run, you know, run a lot of coho type baits um, to see if you can't pull more cohos. All right, we got another one here from Facebook. This is Colin, and Colin would like to know if you could touch on how you're running your torpedo divers with cores and weighted steel lines. <coughs> That's a good question. Uh, what we're doing is we're taking uh, probably about an 18-inch piece of the 45-pound weighted steel. We're using the torpedo termination kits, and we're terminating, you know, we're looping an offshore release 
looping that wire through that release and then taking the termination kit and snugging that up so it's locked in there. And then we're taking the same uh, 45 pound and we're gonna run it through the torpedo little clip that comes with the torpedoes. It's a little snap on swivel clip. We'll run there and terminate that. So that's, you've got your offshore release that's actually part of that leader. You've got the torpedo uh, quick change clip that's part of that leader. And so all we're doing is we're, we're clipping that uh, offshore release to the uh, monofilament, you know, the, the leader part. We're not clipping it to the 45 pound. We're going to clip it to the uh, monofilament just before it gets to that 45 pound uh, weighted steel or lead core. So it's clipped to mono and locked in there. And we will just vary our torpedoes from two ounces all the way up, depending on what we're trying to achieve with depth. And so you've got, you know, your, your leaders about 30 feet, you got your bait, you got that torpedo clipped on, and then you've got your lead core and your 45 pound steel from there all the way up to your reel and then backing. All right. Uh, good question. Great answer. Uh, Jim Lemon's got a question for us. He'd like to know if you've caught any coho king hybrids. He says uh, he's heard that there could be some in Lake Ontario. Yes, we caught probably two last year, and my friend uh, Yabo or Matt Yablonski, who is uh, a fish head, you know, fellow fish head up on Lake Ontario, you know, we always look to confirm species, but uh, we caught two last year, and uh, they're pretty cool looking fish. They look like a hybrid. They look like, you know, they've got the, the tail and the rays, the fin rays of a king, but they've got the head, you know, the gums, that gray gum of a coho salmon. So there are some around. Well, we caught two last year. Very cool. One of the things that, that you keep bringing up is uh, it's important to have as, have as many lines in the water as you can. Um, obviously, this show, we've got a lot of new people watching. We also have a lot of really expert level anglers watching. What are some tips that you can give them as far as line management, being able to run those lines and be able to manage them effectively so they don't become a nuisance? Well, air them out. You know, you want to air your line, your program out. The closer, the more lines, the closer they are equals catastrophe, especially if you get a, you know, a rogue king, you're trying to fish co-host with a big spread and you get a king, eat your program and just blitz everything, which happens. So the more you can spread things out, uh, you're going to avoid tangles and catastrophes. That's one thing. Uh, sometimes airing it out, uh, my friend Joe calls it, uh, helps you actually produce more fish. When you when you spread things out, spread your divers, your riggers, and your board lines out. So that'll help you as well. Uh, only run as many rods as you can manage without causing yourself chaos or downtime. Uh, and then some of that takes time to develop how to run, you know, double sets of divers. Uh, some people struggle running four dipsy divers at once. They get tangles. They get frustrated. So you know, work work that system into your system where. You got two. You got a good two diver program. Okay, now play with running uh, two more divers. Talk to people, see how they do it. You know, and take their tips. And then board lines. Uh, if you're running a lot of planar board lines per se, you know, there's techniques. You got to keep those lines spread out. When fish bite, sometimes you got to be more patient to let them clear over the inside line, so you don't, you know, bring in your whole spread of planar board lines. Some of that is just trial um, and experience. To help you uh, manage, you know, running big programs. But you know, every once in a while, we'll run big programs and we get in trouble with them. You know, we'll get fish that do bad things and uh, cause chaos. But 
for us, uh, you know, put a lot of water time out there and uh, generally we see it coming. So we'll, we'll clear lines. If we see a bad fish or a bad event happening, we'll start you know, moving lines out of the way to avoid chaos or a catastrophe, but uh, work your way into it. You know, don't, don't just uh, try and fish 12 rods. If you're a six rod guy, you're probably going to get in trouble, you know, work your way up until you, until you get a program and you're efficient with it. All right, Jessica is really uh, turning this into quite a seminar. She's got a lot of questions. Uh, she wants to know if there's a certain dipsy diver color you prefer to target coves uh, uh, on Lake Erie. But uh, if there's a color, please uh, let us know on Lake Ontario as well. I'd say I've got my favorite dipsy color in general is a chrome crushed glow uh, Dreamweaver diver. It's sold by Fish USA. It's basically a custom diver. That is my number one diver. Um, I catch everything with that dipsy diver, including cohos. My second choice for uh, probably cohos would be uh, uh, an orange UV diver or a frog diver for catching cohos. Um, that's probably my number two. And my number three would be a black diver, uh, a tougher bite, fishing that death clear water out there. I'm gonna go with a black, plain old black diver if I'm fishing clear, tough condition water. Um, that'd be number three for me. And that goes for both lakes. Awesome. All right. Just a few more here. Uh, we're getting close to the end of our night here. Uh, Jessica would also like to know, do you use stackers on your downriggers when you're targeting cones? <laughs> well, I use sliders. I, not, stackers is more of a fixed add a line to your main line. Um, I, I run, and you might be referring to a lot of people call stackers sliders. Um, I run sliders, which is uh, about an eight to nine foot piece of fluorocarbon leader with a snap and a swivel on one end. And, uh, you know, I'll put my my spoon or my offering down on my main line with my rigger. And then we will, you know, snap that slider onto it with this, always a spoon and then uh, flip that out into the water. I've got uh, a really good YouTube video, um, visionquestsportfishing.com, excuse me, not .com, but YouTube channel for Vision Quest Sport Fishing that shows several of the different slider options and, and how we do that. But the non-attached uh, free slider is probably my best uh, method for slider fishing or adding a second bait to my main line. Awesome. Well, we got a guy up here. Uh... Giving credit to Eric Modney for finding the show tonight, and uh, appreciate that Eric Modney spreading the the uh, the love out on Instagram for us today. A uh, couple more questions. One here from Larry, and I think you talked about leads a little bit earlier in the show, but he'd like to know how long of leads do you run off of your board lines? Well, I didn't I didn't touch on this earlier. We we're talking about uh, spring co-fishing uh, or you know upper water co-fishing. We'll run a lot of. Uh, uh, 14 pound monofilament with snaps and body baits when we're fishing uh, planer boards, you know, in tighter or when the fish are really up high. So we'll run a lot of the, the Brad's thin fish, which is very popular um, on pretty much every lake that has a coho uh, in a couple different colors. We'll use the bomber, the smaller three inch uh, bright colored bombers off monofilament lines again, uh, and we'll run those typically from 60 feet to 100 back when we're running uh, surface lines. Whether that's our split shot rigs with spoons, that'll be about 80 feet back. But when we're running body baits, those really aggressive uh, wiggling body baits off planer boards, 
we're going to go 60 to 80 feet clear water tough conditions bite stalls we might start bumping those back to 120 but the fish will have to tell us that awesome uh i hate asking captains what their favorite fish is because it's kind of like asking someone what their favorite child is but rob westcott would like to know where coho fishing ranks in your preferred target species on lake o i'm gonna give it a a three it's, it's between a two and three i'm gonna say king first and uh, a toss up between cohos and steelhead all right two and a half two and a half okay two and two a here we go. Uh, Paul D would like to know if they're stocking more brown trout in Erie. You think it could be a good brown trout fishery with all the gobies there available to eat? Uh, our Sport Fishing Association worked with our Fish Commission several years ago to upgrade the stocking program on Lake Erie. They did it. And it was very good for three years. Uh, a lot of fish were caught. In fact, I my best day ever, we boated a, a four-man limit of 12 brown trout on Lake Erie, which was unheard of when that uh, peaked several years ago. Since then, they have uh, they have reduced the brown trout and have done a couple different things. This is our Fish and Boat Commission with brown trout. Um, we think Lake Erie can be uh, ex have exceptional brown trout fishing because of the habitat, the water, the temps, the access to structure and gobies, as well as uh, smelt and shad. We think the potential would be huge if our fish commission or even the New York DEC would commit to a bona fide brown trout stocking program. Phenomenal, I think. Awesome, Pete. Uh, well, first of all, I just want to thank everybody for coming out to the show tonight. I had an awesome audience, lots of great questions, and a really big crowd coming out to watch tonight. So really appreciate everybody coming on. Colin Quinter, you are the question of the evening, so go ahead and Drop us a direct message in our Facebook there with your address, and we'll get a swag package out to you. Uh, you can find more about Pete on his website. It's visionquestfishing.com. But, Pete, uh, my question for you, last question of the night, is uh, what are you looking forward to in 2022? Well, I'm looking forward to uh, fishing another year on the water, really. Uh, I look this time of year, it's cold, miserable, you know, and I start to get antsy, so... Really, I'm looking to have another productive season on the water. I enjoy fishing, and uh, my goal is to do a little bit better in tournament fishing. So I'm, I'm amped up about uh, tournaments and uh, perhaps doing a little bit better. Um, every year I try and do better or, or learn from my mistakes, but that's probably the main thing I'm looking forward to is the, the coming 2022 tournament season and, of course, fishing. All right, I actually lied. I've got one more question for you because I always end every interview with this question is, is there something about coho fishing that you wanted to talk about tonight that I didn't ask you about? Yeah, I'm going to, if we got a couple of minutes, I'm going to, uh, I guess, uh, probably show you guys a little trick that uh, I've been doing is, is, you know, spring is typically a coho fishery. We're using small baits, you know, again, the, the peanut flies. The smaller guys, some of the peanut flies are tied directly to a hook, so they're, they're very small in nature. And what I've, I've found out, and I found good use, my friend Tom Allen um, from Atomic Flies has gifted me with a lot of his fly bodies over the years, and uh, like more than I could probably use. And so what I've been doing is, as the season progresses, you know, you're into, into late May and into June, these cohos are getting bigger, they're looking to eat bigger bait is taking these 
full-size flies and trimming them down to about three inches and uh which is bigger than your typical peanut flies and i've found that this definitely picks up the bite um, and it's, you're still able to use these six inch spin doctors or your six inch dodgers to catch a lot of cohos even though you're into the bigger time period they still fall for these smaller attractors but what helps is is using a bigger fly but not the full-size flies i found the full-size flies with these smaller tractors are totally out of balance and they won't eat as much. So what we do is trim trim these flies down to about three inches and we'll rig them up and we'll fish them again with the same six inch attractors. And we'll utilize a whole bunch of different colors that are available like atomic flies. Um, the same type of flies we use for king salmon. And I've found that this, they do two things. One is uh, they help you keep catching coho as they progress and get bigger and the bait size gets bigger. And secondly is when you're running these little bit bigger flies, hold on because you're going to get kings eat these flies very well. Even though you're fishing for cohos, we're going to catch bonus kings on these. That's the tip of the night. Tip of the night. That's very good. Uh, Pete, thanks so much for sharing your knowledge and your time with us tonight because uh, it, it actually was, the whole thing was very good. It was, it was interesting to hear from you as it always is. And uh, just appreciate your time and, and your willingness to share everything that you've learned over the years with our audience. It was really great to have you tonight. Thanks, Chris. Um, I appreciate you doing this for the anglers. Uh, you and Trevor, I know, have this project going with the podcasts and the commitment to the Great Lakes and the fishery. And uh, I got to give kudos to you and Trevor for doing this, taking your time to do this, promote the sport, promote this fishery. So hats off to you guys. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for your time. Thanks, everybody, for watching tonight. It was awesome. Great to have a great crowd here this evening and hope everybody enjoys the show going forward. Take care and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.